Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. Today we're discussing turning a culture around, empowering people as well. We have a very special guest with us today. Al Stubblefield is a executive coach and senior advisor with Healthcare Experience Foundation, as well as President Emeritus with Baptist Healthcare in Pensacola, Florida. So thank you for joining us, first and foremost, and just tell us a little bit about your background. Well, thank you for having me. My career in healthcare began in 1976 when I graduated from the UAB Master's in Healthcare Administration program and started working at a, a woman's hospital in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, spent about seven years there. When I was 29 years old in 1982, went to be administrator of a 70-bed hospital in, in Appalachia in uh, north, northeast Tennessee uh, and had two fun years there. Dropped down to Senatobia, Mississippi for another couple of years in a smaller hospital. And then a friend of mine from a few years earlier called and said, would you like to come be on my team at the Baptist Hospital in Pensacola? So we came here in 1985, and I still live here. Spent the last 28 years of my career in the Baptist uh, Hospital and Baptist Healthcare System. And uh, the last 13 years of those was uh, CEO of the Baptist Healthcare System, which at that time we had five hospitals and nursing home, retirement village, community mental health operation, about 6,000 employees. So it was plenty to, plenty to keep a fellow busy during the day. And it's great to have you with us on the podcast. So why does a culture of excellence matter in healthcare these days? In healthcare, as in many industries, but in healthcare in particular, when people are coming to you at their at their most vulnerable time of their lives, or when their loved ones are in trouble physically, health issues going on, uh, there should never be any excuse for not pursuing excellence in everything that we do every day, uh, in every interaction, in every procedure. And when we as an organization, and we'll talk about this some more in a little while, decided that what, what was going to be our driving cultural foundation was focusing on service excellence and creating an experience for our patients, for their families, for our physicians, for anybody that walked in the door that was what we ended up calling a wow experience. Uh, when we made that commitment, our employees, most of whom go into healthcare because they want to touch lives in a positive way. They want to make a difference. They got excited about what this organization was now all about. And we saw some of the most incredible turnarounds in our employee attitude surveys, in our patient satisfaction surveys, and went from below mediocre to uh, leading the nation and sustained that for the next 15, 12, 15 years. It was, it was a beautiful thing to watch and to see a team engage in, but it was 
I still go back and say it was because those employees that come to work there every day went into healthcare because they wanted to make a positive impact uh, on the lives of the people that they had the privilege to take care of. And when they saw that that was what our culture was going to sell out to, that that's who we were going to be as an organization, they were empowered, they were excited, they got on board, and they took us uh, to literally the top of the heap as far as, as our service excellence and the job that we did delivering knock-your-socks-off care to every patient every day. It was the most rewarding part of my 37-year journey in healthcare. Well, you talked about WOW, W-O-W, creating a culture that wows. And I want to move the discussion to discussing a little bit more about what that means. And it also is a book that you wrote, a popular book. So tell us a little bit about the research and experience that went into your book. Uh, This book is called The Baptist Healthcare Journey to Excellence. Creating a Culture That Wows. Tell us a little bit about the background on that book. We made this commitment that I just talked about, this cultural commitment to excellence uh, in the mid-90s. And within just a few short years, within a couple of three years, had developed a national reputation for being different, for being an organization that was blowing away its culture. So we used the most, at that time, uh, the most popular patient satisfaction tool in the industry uh, to measure our patient satisfaction. And we used it because it had the largest database of hospitals. So we had the largest group that we could compare ourselves to. And we went from being in the 17th percentile in patient satisfaction to leading the country in 36 months. Uh, and we maintain that for a dozen years. Well, that attracted notoriety and that attracted other hospitals to come to contact us, to reach out to us and said, and ask, what is, what is it that you're doing? How are you doing this? How are you sustaining it? Well, where the book came from was out of that, that notoriety and that interest in trying to duplicate what we were accomplishing, uh, hospitals started coming from all over the country. Uh, and, and over a period of 10 years, we had healthcare executives and leaders from all 50 states that came to Pensacola to learn from us, to attend one of our conferences that we put on, uh, and to try to be able to duplicate uh, a lot of the, the success that we had had. Because of having that interest uh, it caused us to sort of step back and say, uh, what did we do? How did this exactly happen? And, and some of this was more in hindsight than, uh, than because we, we, we knew exactly what, what buttons to push going in. But as we, as we put the picture together and put it in 2003, about the time we won the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award that President George W. Bush presented to us uh, in Washington, D.C. About that time, we put it together into uh, a book form. Uh, and, and the book 
is this, the title's pretty simple. It's, it's the Baptist Healthcare Journey to Excellence. That's what we went on was a journey to excellence. And we created a culture that, that wowed. That book has sold over 100,000 copies to healthcare workers uh, across the U.S. It's been translated into Chinese and to Korean. Uh, I had the privilege of going to China twice and presenting to hospitals and healthcare management teams. And language barrier was significant, but the cultural needs and the things that we describe in the book about how and why we, uh, we went through this journey work. They work across, culture, across <laughs> serious cultural differences when you talk about China and the, and the economic uh, system that their healthcare uh, exists in. That is, that's sort of how it came together as we were talking and working with these hospitals. There was some part of my team said, could, you, could, could, could we put this into a book? And so we, we, we started working on it, and it causes to sort of refine the story down in a way that, that uh, really was rewarding to see other people be able to, to see it and get it and, uh, and put it to work. All right. So let's talk about the five keys to creating a culture that wows. First of all, tell us a little bit about creating and maintaining a great culture. Well, I'll back up and say that that, that part of, of uh, the journey was recognizing that culture matters, that it, it is so easy in management to spend your time uh, just putting out fires and 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 uh, taking care of the of the crisis of the day, uh, and you can go from one crisis to another to another, and never stop and say who are we and what is it that's important to us as an organization. And in the mid '90s, there was a focus on quality. There was a lot of talk about quality in healthcare and. CQI was the buzz, Continuous Quality Initiatives. And so we started thinking about uh, how do we improve our quality. Uh, And I sat through many a meeting in our organization and others where uh, people were struggling to get their arms around how do you measure quality across the breadth of a healthcare organization, of a hospital. So we decided to drill down a little further and to focus on on service excellence and actually set a goal. I walked into our board meeting in September of 1996 and said, we're at the 17th percentile. We're going to be at the inpatient satisfaction. We're going to, we're going to hit the 75th percentile in the next 12 months. And our, Walked out of that meeting, and one of my senior executives said, "Al, I can't believe you, what you just set us up for. I can't believe you said that. That's that, that's really going to make us look bad with our board." And twelve months later, we were there, but he wasn't. Uh, and part of that message is, is factual, but is to say that when you start down this journey, some of your team's not going to get on board. Some of them are not going to buy into it. And we probably had a 15% turnover in our 
in our leadership positions because of of team members that were leaders that just couldn't buy into to that concept. But but we threw it out there and we said we're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna deliver great service and we're gonna be at the seventy fifth percentile. And we took off down that journey. And we realized about six months into it that you could only go so far on uh, excitement and momentum and and that if you didn't change the culture and build it deep into the organization and measure it and celebrate successes in those measures, you, you weren't going to be able to sustain it. We have decided that our culture is going to be delivering great service. We are going to lead the nation in patient satisfaction. That is who we are. It's who we're going to be. If you're going to be successful in this organization, then you're going to buy into that culture. Every organization has a culture, uh, and and if you ask, if you if you make folks stop and talk about how do you recognize what the culture of an organization is. I summarize it a lot of times by saying it is the things that your management team pays attention to. It is the things that the employees hear their leader talk about. It's the things that they they watch, they see, they know what gets recognized, what gets celebrated in this organization. And if that is always just how well we're doing financially, then the culture of the organization is all about the numbers. It's all about uh, finances. Uh, we uh, started focusing our conversations around a balanced focus on, and, and we, I think we're going to talk a little later about our pillars on people, on service, on quality, on finance and growth. And if you talk about all of those uh, and the center point of that is service, then that became our culture, and that is what we were able to sustain because we always kept it as, as the centerpiece. Now, another topic I'm sure our listeners are going to be interested in is retaining and selecting great employees. So how do we go about selecting and retaining great employees, Al? Well, again, when we started the journey, we realized fairly early on that some of our employees were not going to be able to buy into it, that they liked doing things the way they had done them, that they thought, well, this is just uh, another fad of the month, fad of the quarter. This, this, this too will pass. Jim Collins in the book, Good to Great, talks about ultimately you have to get the right people in the right seats on the bus if an organization is going to be successful. and. That means sometimes you have to make make some changes. So we did. We forced some uncomfortable uh, changes in our senior management team. But I always come back and say, you don't have to do many of those till the ones that are left realize they're serious about this. Uh, this is who we're going to be as an organization. So we had to had to root out some of the folks that couldn't buy into it. But then we had to uh, make the ones that stayed and the ones that came on after that point uh, successful. And, and how, do you, how do you do that? Well, 
you do it you, you starting off with onboarding them correctly. And we put a lot of emphasis into bringing them on board. But even before that, the selection process, uh, we created a peer interviewing process uh, that a, 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 a non-negotiable paradigm that we went that we put in place was you do not get hired to work at Baptist Healthcare unless some of the peers that are going to work beside you are a part of that interviewing process. So you've got a manager that's hustling to try to get a position filled because she's having to pay overtime and, and her boss is on her about that. And she's got somebody she's ready to hire. And we bring that person in and have five of the peers that they're going to sit around with interview them and they listen and they're thinking about the culture that they're proud of that has been created in their department. And they're not sensing that this, this employee gets it or has the capacity to get, to get it. And so they share with that leader. We don't think this is the one. Uh, And the leader, most of the time, the leader has the final decision. But the vast majority of the time, the leader takes the employees' uh, work, uh, takes their advice, slows down the train a little bit, waits and finds somebody. And it is so much easier to take a little longer time and onboard a successful, good fit for the organization than it is to make a mistake and then have to go through the pain of, of working that person out of the organization. But also what you've done is you've created a team of folks that did have something to say when you went in the ones that you did hire. So that a new employee gets there and already has a network of people that have a vested interest in his or her success. Uh, so they engage, they, they come alongside, uh, they're, they're, they're made to feel like owners of the business and not just somebody that shows up to work a shift every day. So onboarding, uh, before that, the interviewing process, we created a two-day orientation program instead of just one day with a lot of culture mixed into the, to the, to the two-day program. We, we talked a lot about the, the keys to success in our organization, the open communication, the no secrets, some of those kinds of things. Uh, and even at six months, we created a, a program to sort of re, uh, reorient them to what, why they joined the organization and to what was special about it because we had seen data that showed that you're most likely to lose an employee maybe at the, about the six-month period. So a lot of effort was put into getting the right people, but if you're constantly turning the right people over, then that's not helpful. So uh, those were some of the pieces that were a part of selecting and then retaining uh, great employees. Can you tell us about the importance of committing to service excellence? When we sold out to service excellence and we saw, we saw our numbers go through the roof, Again, we went from the 70, 
seventeenth percentile to the ninety ninth percentile in a in about an eighteen to twenty four month period. Our employee morale went through the roof. We were number one in the nation in patient sat. We were number one in the nation in the beta database that we used in employee morale. Those things go together. Happy employees, satisfied employees, employees that buy into the culture of the organization are going to give you great scores when you do an employee satisfaction survey. And they're and they are going to yield very satisfied customers because they create that environment of this is a good place to be. We're here for you uh, and, and we're here to, to make your stay something special. One of the things that we realized is you have to focus on finances. If you don't have decent finances and can't create a margin that allows you to keep the organization sustainable, you won't be there. But we needed to focus on service. We needed to focus on quality. So we ended up creating uh, our pillars of operational excellence. There were five of those, people, service, quality, financial, and growth. So walking across that line, we've talked about you got to hire the right people. You've got to train those people. you got to give them the tools to be successful. And you will keep them and, and, and they will be heroes of the organization if you're focusing on service. Uh, that's what's their hot button. That's what makes them happy and satisfied. But if you're not delivering great quality and you're not focusing 100% on quality of everything that you do, you shouldn't be in healthcare. You shouldn't be a hospital. So quality is at the, at the centerpiece. And then uh, if you do those things, you will achieve financial success. You'll hit your numbers. And if you do all of that, then growth will come. So those were were the pillars, but it was a way to have a balanced approach. And and we balanced it out. Everything uh, that that we did, when we had quarterly uh, employee forums, the agendas were people, service, quality, financial growth, and different topics under each one of those. At our board meeting once a, uh, every month, our board minutes, our board agendas were broken down into People, service, quality, financial growth. We had information boards uh, on every single nursing unit in every department of the hospital. And it would have results of how are we doing in each of these categories, people, service, quality, financial growth in each of the departments uh, and their own goals and their own successes. And we put them out there for them to see and didn't hide it. We communicated it. Uh, so uh, we had. It was our second or third Malcolm Baldridge uh, site visit when they come in and send send uh, three or four folks in to spend a whole week with you, just totally infiltrating the organization and, and, and getting to know every piece of it. And they walked out of a meeting with some of our board members and they said, we can't believe uh, the depth across the organization that you have embedded, to which you have embedded these pillars. Every group we're in is talking about a pe people, service, quality, financial, and growth. And, and that's what one of the things that won us the Malcolm Baldrige Award is being aligned across the breadth and depth of the organization. Committing to service excellence was what drove the results that we got, but having a balanced uh, approach across 
all five areas is the way you sustain the business. And tell us about leadership. So how do we go about continuously developing great leaders? Well, one of the things we realized a few months into this journey was that if we were going to be able to sustain it, it was going to be on the backs of our middle management primarily. They were the ones that are on the front line with the workforce. And that we could only go so far on emotion with them, but we needed to build some leadership muscle uh, and give them the tools to be successful uh, as leaders and, 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 and how to measure success as leaders. We developed uh, what we call the Baptist University for Learning and Leading, Bull, which uh, the initials are Bull, uh, and uh, uh, we uh, hired a director of people development, and one of his goals was to help us build uh, leadership muscle in our in our management team. We went off site with 500 of our leaders four times a year, well, once a quarter, and had a, man- a leadership training two days where we were learning the same language, so that we all were able to so we were able to communicate effectively. Uh, the, the, the things that made somebody successful in our organization, but they all learned the same language. We created even cascade learning kits. So what is that? So we were taking 500 leaders off, but that means 5,000 employees were back at the shop carrying, carrying on them. And well, many of them would say, well, we hear these great things you're learning. We want to know about it. Uh, one of the ways that you really learn something is to get to teach it. So we created a cascade learning kit and every one of these 500 leaders walked away from those leadership training days with a toolkit that allowed them and, and rolled out for them how to go back and teach that to their workforce, to the people whose, whose lives uh, they impacted every day. And so they cascaded it out across the organization, teaching our uh, leaders to be effective leaders and giving them the tools to do so is what it's what builds and sustains it. It's what sustains your workforce and lowers your turnover. One of the things that we taught our leaders is that every one of you is a, a CRO, a chief retention officer that when employees leave an organization, most of the time, one of the top reasons for their leaving is uh, dissatisfaction with their direct manager. It's not senior management. It's not two levels up. It's their direct manager. So if you want, you want to turn, turn around your turnover, which, by the way, we did. We went from uh, 29% turnover down to the, in, the, in the low teens, which was... In a in a military town and healthcare where folks move around a lot was an, a huge change. It was a fifty percent reduction in our in our turnover because we became a great place to work, and they didn't want to leave there. And because we trained our leaders to be chief retention officers and work to to sustain uh, their workforce, so a lot of those pieces uh, come together. But training your leaders and giving them the tools to be successful is critical if you're going to if you're going to sustain that success 
And what about accountability? Can you tell us about how we can hardwire success through systems of accountability? Yeah, what I would share is that we had, prior to the start of this journey, we were we had a, a patient satisfaction survey tool that we got once a quarter. So we get it once a quarter. You get it five or six weeks after the end of the quarter. So you're sitting here now trying to think about, well, what was it that was happening four months ago that caused our, our patient set scores to go down or to go up? And ho- holding a, ma- a your management team accountable for something that's, that's that cold and old uh, was really a challenge. So we went first to monthly and then to weekly patient SAT scores. So now every Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody knows that the patient SAT scores are going to be emailed out across the organization by department. Uh, And there were questions that were specific to food service. There were questions that were specific to housekeeping, to to nursing satisfaction, to to admissions, and what was the admitting and discharge process like. Because those questions were specific to certain areas, it allowed us to create uh, an expectation of accountability for the questions that they could influence and that they could impact. We also, with our management team, created 90-day action plans. Uh, So we had goals that were aligned across the system. We had system-wide goals and then hospital-specific goals. And then each department head, each management participant had their own 90-day action plan of what they were going to do to impact their goals. And not surprisingly, those plans were uh, in the categories of people, service, quality, financial growth. So they had goals about their people in their area. They had goals about service, quality, each one of them. And they sat down with their manager and their supervisor and said, here's what I'm going to work on the next 90 days. Then when they have their weekly or biweekly management meeting with their leader, they've already got the agenda set. It's those 90-day action plans that are aligned to the facility goals, that are aligned to the, to the department goals, the facility goals, and then to the, to the system goals. And they knew that there was going to be accountability and that they were going to be asked and have to walk through the successes they were having in those areas. So you just couldn't, you can't respond. Well, it's the old saying, you can't fix it if you don't know it's broken. Uh, Or or if there's not an old saying like that, there should be. Uh, (laughs) So uh, it was, it was a way to know what you're the, what is expected of you. We all want, to know what's expected of us. We want to know when we're successful. Uh, If you didn't have report cards uh, in school, how would you know if you're doing well? How would you know if you're, if you're learning the material? So, so it's a, we think you're creating a better environment when you have accountability uh, and know what's expected of you and then, and then can celebrate those successes. I want to ask you about open communication. Easier said than done, perhaps, but how can things like open communication create and foster a healthy workplace culture? One of the things that we did in the orientations that I talked about earlier was we asked our employees, what are the things that 
you would like to see in the culture of the organization you're going to work in. And the number one thing on that list was open communication. There were, there were four things that were very consistent. Open communication was one. Tell us what's going on. No secrets environment was another one. Uh, uh, no excuses. Let's decide where we're going to go and what we're going to go after and, 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 and hit the goal. And a sense of ownership, key characteristics of a healthy culture, all of those. Well, open communication, uh, well, to me, all of those sort of revolve around the concept of treat us like owners and not like we're renters or just a warm body to fill a shift. We really focused on communicating and what that looked like. And we created uh, the Baptist daily lineup was an opportunity. Uh, Actually, it was a a concept we stole from the Ritz Carlton hotel chain. And we, uh, they, in a couple of books, I had seen reference to the fact that the Ritz Carlton did 10 minutes of training for every employee on every shift. And I wondered, how do you do that? So I had the, had the opportunity to go to a conference at a Ritz Carlton and, and I asked the, uh, supervisor in in the area where in the food lounge area where we were do you do this and she said yeah and I said well what does it look like and they said well every day the manager comes by and the two of us that work in here we sort of have a little huddle and we go around the corner and the manager goes over the the daily uh, information sheet for that day and and the daily lineup we share that information. Two or three months later, we had had uh, had another Ritz Carlton survey. I'm not Ritz Carlton, uh, but Malcolm Baldridge survey. Thought we might win that year, and one of our vice presidents went up to the Ritz Carlton organization in Atlanta in their corporate office, and was there and to to learn some things about how they handled when they when they won the Baldridge Award. What did that look like? But while she was there, all of a sudden, about nine o'clock. Everybody that was in the area in the corporate offices got up and walked out into the bullpen and they started going over the daily lineup sheet that was being shared at all 35 of their properties worldwide at that time. Uh, And it was a little tiny teaching moment that day. It happened to be how do you deal with an inebriated guest at a a hotel? Uh, But it had information about their uh, their their census and how they were doing. And, and uh, Pam came back and we said, we can do this. And so we created the Baptist daily lineup. And for the next uh, 10 years, every week we mailed out to our leaders uh, five days worth of lineups. So they could get five days out of seven, uh, get in a daily lineup, uh, on every department, in every department, all over the organization. They did it at different times, but it was a tiny teaching moment. And it might be where we focused on one of the pillars that day. It might be focusing on one of the uh, service behavior uh, that was so important to us, uh, but also shared uh, information about how we were doing, what our census was, and it was a an incredibly valuable tool to 
create a common language across the breadth of the organization. We also had uh, uh, used inside Baptist, you used the typical uh, communication tools that organizations had, but we worked hard to do listening and learning. Uh, this was a Baldridge Award uh, terminology of listening to our employees and then learning from them, listening to our customers, to our payors, to the insurance companies that paid us, listening uh, to the physicians, uh, the physician staff. And then another part of communication was telling stories. And we, so often people share positive experiences that they had at the hospital we get these cards and letters. Well, what do you do with them? Do you just get a feel good as the administrator when a card comes? Or do you find a way to communicate that across the organization? And my example of that, one day I was standing at Lowe's getting ready to drive out of town with my family. And, and a guy came up to me and said, you're Alex Doublefield from Baptist Hospital, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He said, let me tell you about a fantastic experience I had on the neurosurgical ward there. And proceeded to tell me about a, a neurosurgeon here that had delivered great care to him and the team and how incredible it had been. Well, I got a real good uh, feel good out of that as I was getting ready to head out of town. I came back home to get my family. And I took five minutes to come inside and type up the outline of what they had said uh, and send it out uh, through email to 500 leaders across the organization who in turn posted it on their boards. So not only did I get a feel good, those 500 leaders got a feel good out of that, but the rest of the workforce saw uh, a message that said, this is what's important to our CEO. This is what he's, he's excited about getting to share. So communication is a never ending challenge in any organization. It takes work. And it takes looking for new tools and constantly being creative. But it is a huge part of keeping and sustaining a culture or driving it the other direction. What are ways we can celebrate people through rewards and recognition? I'm not sure we've touched on that yet. We have not, but it was a huge part of what we did. So we saw data and, and have seen data since that says if you want positive behavior, repeated by employees, celebrate it, find ways to talk about it. Uh, I've always said that we sort of grew up as managers thinking our job was to keep catch people doing the wrong thing and stop it rather than to catch them doing the right thing and celebrate it. So as we started focusing on that, we created ways for our, for our managers to celebrate positive behavior. behavior. One of those was our wow awards and we would ask our managers to catch employees doing the right thing and give them a wow certificate that would tell them what they had done and why they were being celebrated and if they got five of those then they get to to go get a coffee or a dessert in the in the in the cafeteria and they loved getting those wow awards but one of the things we found when we started was it was not natural for many of our managers, and we ended up having to give our managers a quota and say, you will catch X number of employees doing something positive. So start looking for it. And when they did, uh, it created this huge sustaining presence to, to celebrate because we were, we were 
being visible about what was important to us. We created our our champions and and uh, of Baptist Healthcare. Uh, then we would celebrate. We would bring an employee to to a board meeting and spend the first five minutes of the board meeting telling the story of what this employee had done and how they had uh, gone above and beyond and and that and then the board would celebrate that employee would float back to the unit just blown away they would tell everybody they knew about their experience the board was reminded about what was important to us so looking for ways to celebrate and and yeah we even created a book called 50 ways to recognize a 50 things to recognize an employee for one of our department heads put that together and it was some things as simple as always having a smile, uh, things you take for granted, always being on time. You know, how many employees do we jump on because they're late? But how many times do we celebrate because you are always where you're supposed to be on time? So changing our mindset to catching people doing the right thing is, is a critical factor in driving and sustaining uh, the kind of culture you want. Yeah, I think that applies to just about any managerial position in or out of healthcare. Al Stubblefield has been our guest today. He's an executive coach and senior advisor with the Healthcare Experience Foundation, and he's president emeritus with Baptist Healthcare in Pensacola, Florida. Any other final parting words you wanted to leave us with before we wrap it up here today? Well, I'll, I'll repeat something you just said, is that one of the things that I found is I had to privilege of going around the country sharing this story to boards of directors of hospitals from all over the country. Uh, without fail, after the presentation, two or three of them would come up to me and said, say, you know, I work for Monsanto. I work for a bank. I run a hardware store. Those same things apply where I work and in my business. And uh, well, this is what we did back when I was at the bank. And they love to tell their stories. So this is about, about treating your employees uh, with respect, uh, with, with treating them like owners, giving them the tools to be successful, uh, and creating an environment that, that they can go home at night saying, I am glad I work there. And, and it, is, it is the most rewarding journey any leader could ever go on. So if you're contemplating it, go for it. You'll be glad you did. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.